Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. This week we'll be talking with a married couple, both of whom are visually impaired, and both of whom work at Google on accessibility projects. We'll speak with Victor Tsaran and Caro Karan about what it's like to work at Google and how Google integrates accessibility into the design of their wide range of products and applications. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Caro. Nobody should ever get discouraged in a sense that, as I said, I never dreamt I would end up at Google. So I, I just think that if you work hard and if you really want to get into Google, then I think there are different ways of doing that. You don't necessarily have to be a hardcore programmer. You just have to uh, know what you want and obviously work hard to make sure that you, you have the necessary knowledge and skills. And we'll be hearing a little bit more about how they made that transition and what exactly they do at Google. Let's start by meeting Caro and Victor and learn how they came to work at Google. Hi, my name is Victor Tsaran. I work at Google as a technical program manager on the Android accessibility team and live in California. Uh, hi, my name is Caro Karan and I am an accessibility program manager for Google Play. Both of you have visual impairments. You're totally blind, Vic, and Carol, you're partially sighted. Is that right? Yes. So last time we spoke to you, we did some interesting shows with you about how you guys met and came to this country, and a lot has changed since then. As I recall, last time, Vic, you were working at PayPal, and Carol, you were a whole life coach, I believe. Can you tell us what changed and how you made the move to Google? As you correctly pointed out, I was leading a accessibility team at PayPal, and uh, the just opportunity came about to to work for Google Plus accessibility efforts. Um, and then from Google Plus, I also um, had an opportunity to work with the Photos team. And then one thing led to another. I sort of uh, realized there was some really interesting work to be done on a talkback screen reader for Android, and so that's how I ended up. Um, joining the Android initiatives uh, on accessibility. And how about you, Kara? How did you wind up at Google? Yeah, for me, it's a very different path. I honestly never dreamt that I would be working at Google. And the reason is because I have a PhD in education. And so when I got my PhD, I wrote my novel, and uh, you know, which was always my dream. And then I started looking at universities. I wanted to just be a professor at the university. But this was a time when the economy was not doing so great. And so the universities were not really hiring in any field that was not science or maybe business. And so I had trouble getting hired. And uh, so then uh, I wrote my other book and I was a life coach. And then I decided, you know, I am in Silicon Valley. And so I first applied to Google as a contractor. Uh, I was doing testing of some of their websites uh, and uh, also Android apps. After a couple of months of being a tester, then I switched contracts and uh, became an accessibility program manager on a contract. And then 
two years later, I went through the interview process, and now I'm a full-time employee. Well, congratulations to the both of you. That has to be very exciting. Thank you. It really is. It's, it's actually very cool to work together and to go to work together. And we actually see much more of each other now that, you know, we work at one company. And in case you're wondering why their names are so similar, but not the same, it's because when they did get married, Caro tried to change her name to match Victor's, but... Hers got transliterated differently from the original Cyrillic. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is what it's like to work at Google and how Google integrates accessibility into the design of their wide range of products and applications. Rumor has it, that Google is a really fun place to work. Is that true? Yes. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's uh, fun uh, as as in it's a workplace that allows you to be creative and it gives you enough room to um, maneuver um, among teams, among different projects. But I think it's that freedom that most people um, that Google is known uh, outside. Um, yeah, I, I think also that you can feel at home, you know, more more often than in other workplaces. Uh, like, for example, yesterday I was at a meeting and, you know, we had wine, for example, right? So, so like somebody was presenting to us and there was wine and there were some snacks. And so nobody would look at you like you're some crazy person that's coming to work and, and drinking. It was, it was kind of, you know, encouraged and basically, you know, actually in the beginning of the meeting, the person who was conducting the meeting just said, Hey, help yourself to some wine and beer. And so this was very normal. And it just, of course it doesn't happen at every meeting. Don't get me wrong, but it's just that because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think much would get done, but it just said that, that like, you don't have to pretend like you never drink, like you never joke. Uh, you know, there's definitely room for everything. So, you know, Silicon Valley, as you know, is very much known for a relaxed style of work environment. So I think in that respect, Google is considered by many as a really fun place. Um, a lot of it has to do with the attitude, right? That's sort of where it starts. It's, I would say, relatively flat hierarchy. So you don't have a, you know, pyramid of managers upon managers. So so the relationship between people is very, very much of, of equals. Yeah. And also I would say like, maybe it's just my luck, but uh, my previous manager and my current manager, they are just awesome people. So I, when I, whenever I talk to them, I don't have the fear of like, oh my God, I'm talking to somebody superior to me. It's more like, I feel like, oh, I'm gaining knowledge from those two super wise individuals want to spend time with me and actually want to, you know, share their knowledge with me. We wanted to talk today a little bit about what your specific jobs are at Google, because sometimes the titles don't tell a whole lot. And then maybe a little bit about accessibility inside Google in general. So why don't we start out, Vic, by telling people what exactly you do? So my particular job really involves uh, working together with engineers and managers on improving the accessibility of Android. Specifically, my focus is on TalkBack, ScreenReader, BrailleBack, and, you know, other tangential projects that come up as a result of my work. Do you get a chance to do any programming anymore? You used to do a lot of programming in the past. 
I actually still do, and that's that's another thing I really like about Google is that you can uh, go outside of your specific um, job description, and you know if you want, if you have time and energy to contribute in other ways, you certainly do. And I certainly I don't want to pretend like I code a lot, a lot, uh, not as much as I used to, but I certainly have the opportunity whenever I have a chance to put in a few lines of code, I certainly do that um, as much as I can. Well, and I always thought the best managers really knew what was under the hood so they can have an appreciation for what the rest of the team was doing. So those are good skills to have had. Totally, and I agree. And I think that is part of the reason why I try to sort of stretch myself to doing that is because, yeah, I do want to have that appreciation of what it... I, obviously, it's not the same as for someone who works you know, nine to five full days of coding, but at least I, I, I will have a bit of empathy for what it feels like to fix even the smallest of bugs. And so so you won't say things like, oh, you know, but this is so easy. Why haven't you done this? You know, once you've done it yourself and you know that even the smallest thing sometimes can take a few hours, it was like, well, if this small bug took for me so long, can you imagine how much longer it must take for somebody who actually is doing this as their career? And so, yeah, I agree with you. That, that helps you to build empathy towards your coworkers and just in general um, deeper understanding into what it what it means to um, build a product. And I think often as you move into those leadership roles, you know, if you're doing all the details, you're almost wasting some of your time in some sense, because if you can direct people based on your expertise and yet fill in when need be, you sort of leverage your long experience in doing what you've done. Yeah, absolutely. So, so there is that. And how about you, Carol? What is your specific job at Google? Uh, so I am accessibility program manager, uh, specifically at Play. So what that means that uh, I am responsible for the accessibility of uh, Play Store, Play Books, Play Movies, uh, Play Devel Developer Console. So I am program manager versus technical manager. And so I don't really have to know how to code, uh, but I would say my job has a lot to do with uh, education uh, because I need to work with everybody involved in the product cycle development and basically make sure that they, first of all, know what accessibility is and uh, also how to implement it in their particular product. So like, for example, an, an app or, or a website. So yeah, it's, it's really actually very interesting because uh, you know, I never thought I would use education again in the, in my life since I didn't get my job at the university. But I, I do do a lot of uh, trainings for different groups of uh, people who work on a product. So it's actually a lot of fun for me uh, because obviously I get to exercise my, so, so to speak, teaching or, you know, training skills. And, and so that's a lot of fun. Uh, and also I obviously have to work with uh, a lot of people and uh, just have a general view of what the product is and, and where it's going and like how can we make it super accessible so that people have the best experience they can have. And that's really an important job at a large company where members of specific teams that are scattered throughout the company really don't know about accessibility or appreciate what goes into it. So it's important that someone educate them and make them aware in that regard. Yes, absolutely. I think education and inspiration are super important. And then, of course, I have to follow up as a manager and do kind of the tracking part of it. So once I inspire and, and educate, then we decide on specific projects. And then I actually 
bug them and, and uh, make sure that they're doing everything that they committed to do in a specific time frame. Uh, if they have any questions, then, you know, they know that I'm there to help them out with anything. And even if I don't know the answer, I can connect them to anybody outside of Google Play, you know, and somebody usually knows the answer, you know, somebody already has solved that problem that I'm dealing with or that they're dealing with. So it works out in the end. I also forgot to mention that I uh, lead a team of testers in India. And, and for me, it's just an awesome experience to work with somebody from outside the US and just have this international experience as part of my job. And I gather that you recently had the opportunity to go to India and meet your team in person. Yes, that was actually for the first time that I met them in person. So imagine we've talked to each other for a couple of years now, but we never met in person. So this was a very, very cool experience, actually. Most of our listeners have visual impairments and other print disabilities, and they therefore make use of magnification, speech, braille. I assume Google needs to address a whole gamut of disabilities when when you talk about accessibility? Do you both cover the whole range of, of adaptive technology that's involved? Yeah, so you know, there are many teams at Google who uh, contribute to accessibility efforts. So in general, as you know, Google uh, provides accessibility features for Chrome OS as well as Android, right? And so on each of those platforms, we have uh, various tools available for people with different disabilities. So like on Android, you have a screen reader, you have a speech utility for people with learning disabilities called Select to Speak, and then you have also Switch Access, which is a software for people with physical disabilities who use single switch. Uh, and there's many more coming. Uh, there's also on Chrome OS, we have very similar utilities for magnification and, uh, and so on and so forth. But those are two, I would say, major efforts that, that are currently um, being used by many users, and that is the Chrome OS and Android. And both of these provide free utilities, but also they're built into every device that ships. So like if you bought a Chromebook today, it comes already with a screen reader, it comes with magnification, it comes with other things. And similarly for Android, um, today if you buy an Android phone, it already comes with all of the accessibility utilities that I mentioned um, built in. That's pretty thorough. What about other Google products? Google also provides uh, accessibility features within other products like G Suite. Uh, a good example would be GDocs and Gmail, Sheets and all, all those uh, productivity tools. Like, for example, Docs has this cool utility where you can use voice dictation Technically, it's not an accessibility feature, but it certainly is being used by people who have difficulty using their hands. So typing is difficult for them. So there is a tool uh, built right into Docs where you can turn it on and then you can speak instead of typing. So, you know, the, the range of tools is really quite wide. Uh, and also um, we try to touch every product receives different accessibility features depending on the need um, and, and requirements for that particular product. Absolutely. I was going to say, like, for example, we have uh, captions, right? So captions are great for, uh, obviously, people who are hard of hearing, but then it also helps people whose perhaps English is not their first language, uh, or perhaps, you know, they just don't want to keep their volume up. And so just they want to read the captions. And so as Victor said, I'd say that, 
you know, it depends on the on the context and on the specific app. And in my case at Play, we don't really develop that many tools, uh, but then what I have to do is make sure that the engineers and everybody else with whom I'm working, that they are aware of those tools so that they can design products that work properly with, let's say, the screen reader or with magnifier and so forth. Google is a really giant company working on lots of different products and utilities and tools. And I would assume that the accessibility team gets treated as sort of a core competency. Somehow you have to make people aware of accessibility and how to make it work, but somehow you also have to transfer these tools and encourage other groups to use these things. Can you give us a sense sort of globally at Google how this all works? Yeah, so, you know, we have, uh, as I mentioned, we have many teams uh, who work on accessibility, but the general rule of thumb is that there, every team sh has some exposure to an accessibility expert. Uh, it's a combined solution where you do have a central accessibility team that provides, you know, tools and documentation and, you know, expertise to other teams, but other teams are equally responsible for doing it within their own particular product area. So I wouldn't say there is like one giant accessibility team at Google that does everything. Uh, the solution is it's kind of like, you know, we compare it to a spider web, you know, it's, the idea being is that there's central accessibility team, but other product areas have their own smaller teams or they have managers responsible for accessibility. But the idea being is that every team is touched by a subject matter expert um, in accessibility in one way or another, either through through an engineer or or a manager or a group of engineers or you know however it may play out. As you mentioned, the company's super super big <laughs> and so Solutions sometimes vary from team to team, but the standards apply to all of the teams. So the idea being is that Google's product should all be accessible as much as possible. How many employees are there at Google now worldwide? Oh my God, like 75,000, I think I heard somewhere. I don't even know what the actual official number is, so maybe people could Google it. So in terms of accessibility being part of the culture... I at just want to add something... So on your advice, I just Googled my previous question, and the answer is 85,000. Wow. All right. So I was off by 10,000. Okay. Wow. You're pretty close percentage-wise. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So in terms of accessibility being part of the culture at Google, I know at Xerox, when we tried to infuse certain thoughts from a core group into some of the specific groups, it's, it was sometimes an issue. And so I was wondering if there's any resistance to specific teams taking on, you know, the accessibility tasks and making compromises in their specific tools in terms of accessibility. How does that all work? Yeah, you know, I mean, um, Cara can tell you probably more about her experience. My experience has been that people are very open to learning about accessibility. If, if there's any kind of misunderstanding, it's usually because of lack of knowledge or prior exposure to accessibility. So when, you know, when people learn about it for the first time, maybe initial reaction isn't all that accepting. But, you know, as you start making the case for users with disabilities, I, I can't recall a single example where people would say no or they would refuse doing anything. So at Google, we have a lot of people who are very curious. Um, for people who are curious, it's a very interesting field to get into. So usually engineers get excited about it. 
And also there's another issue of um, the company is constantly growing. People are coming and going. So it's a, it's a moving target. You know, you, you can never probably teach the whole company to know accessibility 100% because, you know, new people come in. So that means you have to start training them from the beginning. And so you do the best you can. But the quick answer to your question, I, in my experience, I've seen nothing but reception for accessibility. Yeah, to, to Victor's point, I actually show this video and it's it's totally public, so I can talk about it, where Victor is using our Gadget coffee maker and he's trying to make coffee at home. And, you know, the coffee maker runs out of water and so there is no audio signal, you know, there's just a light showing that, you know, that he needs to pour some more water or something like that. And... I show this video oftentimes when I do my presentations because I really want to get this point across to my audiences that I, I totally think that it's never anybody's fault that some accessibility is not in the product, that it's really just that people were not exposed to accessibility or to that particular audience with accessibility needs. And so that is mostly why something may not be fully accessible. It's just because people didn't think about it. So back when Nancy and I were applying for jobs out of graduate school and got jobs with Xerox, the interview process was very different than it is these days. And I'm wondering if you could give people an overview of what it's actually like applying for a job at Google and the process one has to go through in order to obtain a job there. It is a multi-phase process. So, you know, Obviously, people have all the channels, uh, same similar channels to other companies to apply through a website. You know, Google runs job fairs as well as, on, you know, at the universities and other places. Um, you know, and then, you know, you go through phone interview and then you go through on-site interviews. Uh, usually there's few of them. And Google is known for probably some of the roughest interviews in, in the industry. Um, that is probably true, <laughs> I guess, according to other people. But yeah, uh, and um, specifically for people with disabilities, I have to say that they, they've done some amazing work trying to be super accommodating and like understanding the issues involved. Like even if you have to pass through coding interview, there are options available. Um, and, you know, sometimes uh, if you want to pass engineer interview, you have to be a bit more flexible. But there are tools available, for example, for you to do coding exercises or, you know, whatever you may be required to do in your job. So I think they definitely trying to be as inclusive as possible um, during the interview process. Yeah. And all I can say is that I think uh, in general terms, I think they value knowledge, but they also value your way of thinking. So I think you can always need to combine the two. Like it's it's important to to really have both skills because, you know, otherwise you can just read things in a book and hope to get hired. Whereas I think what they're looking for is the combination of of really how, how you can apply that knowledge, you know, to some projects that you would be working on. But yeah, you know, so so for anybody who is interested to learn about, you know, Google's uh, hiring process, there is a website called careers.google.com. I think they have a bunch of videos. They actually describe what's life at Google like. Um, and, and it's actually, they describe it probably, probably in a much more entertaining way than we just did. <laughs> so, so for anybody interested, I definitely highly recommend going to that website. It's It's quite fun. So I understand on the side when you're not working at Google that Victor is quite a musician and Caro is an author and you may have a new work coming out. Yes, it's a book of poetry. It's called I Am the Air. 
it's a collection of my own poems and also translations from uh, the Polish and from the Ukrainian languages, actually. Yeah, and I um, play music, unfortunately, not as much out as I used to, but I still um, don't want to use the word religiously, but um, <laughs> frequently as much as every day. At least I try to play uh, guitar and I just started learning piano. So I, I am slowly uh, compiling material for my next uh, recording. And I don't even want to say when it's going to come out because the minute I say something's going to go wrong. So let's just say I'm working at it super hard. <laughs> and I'm fortunate to hear Victor play every day. So I get to enjoy the bits and pieces of it. Likewise, I get the pleasure of listening to Pete play many times a day. That's so cool. Awesome. Retirement has been very good for that. Now for this week's final item, how to reach Google, how to reach Victor and Caro, how to learn more about all of that, including how to get the books Caro has written. Do you guys have any contact information that you'd like to share with our listeners or websites or social media feeds? Uh, maybe just a quick mention. So Google is on Twitter at Google Access. So that's the handle where you can always tweet a question or if you found a problem in one of the products, definitely tweet. Um, there is also a new... Uh, help channel called disability-support at google.com. So it's an email 24-7 support. And I think they just started to chat. Uh, there may be an article about this somewhere. I think if you go to google.com slash accessibility, I think there's actually an article that describes uh, all of the feedback channels that are available. So probably I'll stop there. As far as my own, I'm at V-I-C-K-0-8, which is my Twitter handle. It hasn't changed since 2008. <laughs> so I think that's probably, and the Facebook, you know, but but I, I think Twitter is probably the best channel to see what I'm doing. Yeah, for me on Twitter, I am a rainbow poetess. Uh, so I kind of combine poetry, writing and technology on Twitter. Uh, people can also follow me on face Facebook. So like don't friend, but follow me. Uh, that's pretty much it. You know, I am on Instagram also. So for people who want to, for example, search Facebook for your names, can you spell them? Sure. So mine is K-A-R-O and last name is C-A-R-A-N as in Nancy. And Victor Tsaran is V-I-C-T-O-R and last name is T-S-A-R-A-N. And if anybody wanted to reach either of you directly, how would they do that? Uh, for me, I guess probably the best is Twitter. People can just, you know, DM me or, yeah, probably the best. Yeah, same here. Just DM me on Twitter. Where will the book be available, Carol? Mm -hmm. The book will be available on Amazon. Just basically, again, if you just type my name right now, two books show up. And then in a month or so, three books will, sh will show up. So probably the first one that will show up will be the most recent one. And as usual... You can find all of that contact information, if you missed it in the audio, in the show notes for this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And in those show notes, you'll also find links to all the prior episodes in which we talked with Vic and Caro. That's it for show number 1840. 
Now that you've heard what they're doing at Google, next week we are reprising an episode from about five years ago, more about their personal lives. Victor grew up in Ukraine and Caro grew up in Poland, but they met in the United States and they had to overcome a number of geographical and cultural challenges in order to form a happy life together. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success, or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.